This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Hi, and a very good afternoon to you. Coming to you a little bit later than usual due to the news and so on. Today, 10 past 2, exactly 2.10 um, this afternoon on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon here in Joburg. Um, and looking forward to being with you with the next um, 40 minutes or so um, as we explore some thoughts in Judaism 101.9. Um, getting down to basics, thinking about things in a perhaps somewhat simpler term um, for those of us perhaps who um, need that, um, and that may be all of us, um, a refresher, a new irreverent perhaps sometimes look at um, things that are going on within Judaism from the Torah um, within our Jewish law and so on. One of the things that I wanted to speak about to you today is the idea of the recurrence of certain Jewish dates. Now, we know when the Jewish people got out of Egypt that one of the very first things that they were told just before they got out was to construct, to have a Jewish calendar. And the Jewish calendar was to function in such a way that it would take into account not only the moon, um, which would dictate all the months, but also the sun, which would dictate the seasons. We told it very basically in a very simple um, kind of a way whereby the Almighty says to us that we need to commemorate HaChodesh HaZelachem. We need to commemorate this month as the first of the months. Rishon Hu This must be the beginning, the first of the months of all the months of the year. And then it goes on to tell us that once we have got that right, we must also take into account that Pesach, the festival of Pesach must occur in the spring. And uh, the only way that you can take that into account is by noting the passage of the sun to take a hard, good look at the passage and the pathway of the moon and its waxing and waning. The fact that sometimes it is brighter and sometimes it is a little quieter, a little bit more dull. And then similarly with the sun which uh, moves, so to speak, or it seems to, in our perception from here on earth, that it seems to move and fluctuate between the different seasons, between the summer and the winter, and of course with spring and autumn in between, that um, here we have this incredible coming together of the sun and the moon um, and the way that they operate and the way that they give light, the sun during the day, the moon at night, um, and all of the beautiful and wonderful messages that go with all of that. So the Almighty tells us that these two great luminaries, these two great things, the sun and the moon, are going to play a, an important, important role in our Jewish calendar. And so they do. And very often we see the recurrence, not only of Chagim, of festivals that always um, uh, happen from year to year that Pesach for instance uh, the Korban Pesach the Paschal offering is on the uh, afternoon of the 14th of the month of Nisan and then Pesach of course that night and going into the 15th that we have all the other festivals occurring on the particular dates that they do and then the uh, Roshe Chodesh, the uh, heads of the months occurring on the dates that they do and we just had one over this last weekend of course on Sun, uh, Shabbos and Sunday, that was Rosh Chodesh Tammuz, and we're now into the month of Tammuz. Today, in fact, is the fourth day in the month of Tammuz already, um, and yesterday, a very, very important date of the third of Tammuz, to which something here, I think, has a great deal of reference. So if we take a look back in Jewish history, and we think to a, an occurrence that happened um, many, many 
uh, hundreds, if not certainly thousands of years ago, there was an incredible occurrence that happened when the Jewish people were gaining access to Israel for the very first time as a nation. So we'd come out of Egypt. Joshua was leading us into Israel. And we came up in a battle against people called um, the Gibeonites. There was a place called Givon. And at that place, we um, were busy with this battle, busy with this war. And it seemed that the battle was not going to be able to be completed before nightfall. Now, that in itself is a strange and interesting um, occurrence, um, certainly to modern thinkers. What does it mean that you weren't able to continue the battle into the night? Well, it seems that... Joshua, Yeshua was afraid that he may lose track of the enemy. Um, it's not that easy to pers- pursue them. Um, all sorts of fascinating things had already happened. There'd already been a hailstorm, and um, it had already cost the lives of many, many of the enemy. Um, as uh, the uh, Jews, were, the Jewish people, the nation that had come out of Egypt was gaining a stronghold. And there, all of a sudden, um, a fascinating, fascinating event happens. And if we take a look in the book of Joshua, if you really want to look it up, you can take a look in uh, Joshua. It is chapter 10, verse 12, according to the way that the the, um, chapters and verses are delineated. And it says that then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites uh, before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel. And this was what he said. Shemesh begivon doim v'yareach b'emek ayalon. He said, Son, stand still upon Gibon, Gibeon, and you, moon, in the valley of Ayalon. Joshua, Yeshua, prayed to God that the sun and the moon should actually stand still, that the sun should not set, that um, it should remain light, and that the people so to speak, or so it would seem to our simple um, view that we should be able to continue the battle until we could bring it to fruition, until we could bring <laughs> bring it to an absolute conclusion. Now, um, the verse goes on, and then it says, or the chapter goes on, and it says, um, and the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the nation had avenged themselves of their enemies. And then it goes on and says, Is not this written in the book of Yashar? And the sun stayed in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it, that the Lord had hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. And then Joshua returned and all Israel with him unto the camp to Gilgal. So we're talking about a huge battle that was going on here um, against all the kings, all the negative forces, so to speak, that were um, um, around at the time. And here this battle having to be fought, um, Joshua says his prayer and he asks, Shemesh, Shemesh, please, God, make the sun stand still um, and make the moon um, and make the moon in a stop in the valley of Ayalon. We have this incredible, incredible image of how time was brought to a standstill. And God respected, answered the prayers of Joshua. And in deference to the Jewish people, the sun and the moon, all the luminaries in the sky actually stood still. Fascinatingly, as we go back in history and we take a look at when this actually happened, amazingly, it was yesterday. The anniversary for this occurrence was the third day of Tammuz, 
on the third day of Tammuz, this is when this amazing occurrence happened, all those thousands of years ago. In fact, it was um, 40 years after the giving of the Torah, so it was probably in the year 2488 um, that we were going into Israel and that this happened under the tutelage, the leadership of Joshua, of our leader who took us into Israel. An absolutely amazing and fascinating event and occurrence. But what I find even more fascinating is the fact that it happened on this third day of Tammuz, commemorated, celebrated yesterday. And we're going to elaborate a little bit more upon that and why it is so prophetic and why it is so strange. And perhaps you out there might have your own views on uh, what actually happened or what its bearing is on things that happen in the future. But if we fast forward and we go back 23 years ago, simply in our time, only 23 years ago, that same date crops up once again in a most fascinating, amazing way. An event happens um, to the Jewish people in our modern era and particularly to a great leader of the Jewish people, to the Lubavitcher Rebbe, to Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, who um, passed away, whose yard site was 23 years ago on the third day of Tammuz, on the day, the anniversary of this amazing occurrence of when Joshua implored God and said, Shemesh begivon dome, please God make the sun stand still, and the moon in the valley of Ayalon. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. So when we see these incredible dates that um, seem to recur, that keep on cropping up, I think that we're actually exhorted by the Gemara, the Talmud in Tainus uh, 29a, which tells us that uh, things come to pass on an auspicious day. When we think about things coming to pass on an auspicious day, those things that come to come to pass on an auspicious day usually have a similar theme. They have a similar link. There are amazing connections between things that happen over many, many years on a particular date, of course, in the Jewish calendar. Is this not one of the reasons why we would celebrate special dates um, in and of themselves in the first place? Why we celebrate and commemorate birthdays, if you think about the simple fact that you were born on a certain day, well, what bearing does that have on this year when I happen to be turning 12 or 21 or 44 or 106? What difference does it make? Actually, the effect is not only that we are commemorating and looking at inspiring ourselves for the coming year and making all sorts of decisions about how we're going to keep this year, much like we would on a Rosh Hashanah in the beginning of a brand new year, but it is also perhaps to recognize that this is some kind of an opportunity for us to be born again, for us to go through what we went through on the date that we were born, and that here there is something significantly the same each and every year that occurs on that particular date and at that particular time. And so if we think about Gimel Tammuz, the third day of Tammuz, and we think about what actually happened all those years ago in the battle at uh, Gibbon, uh, or Gibbon, Gibbon, as it's often translated, if we think about what happened there and the fact that the sun and the moon, the luminaries, actually stood still, there is something and perhaps more than one lesson that we could think about and we could talk about in reference to 23 years ago when 
the Lubavitcher Rebbe passed away. And now, 23 years ago, we're looking back, even today, the day after the Yorzeit, and reflecting back on the incredible, incredible contribution that the Rebbe made to us all, all over the world. I don't think there is a person in the world who can honestly say today that they have not in some way been positively affected by what the Rebbe stood for, by Chabad. If we think about in this country, and we think about the incredible, incredible blessings, brachot, that the Rebbe gave to people, to individuals, and to the country itself over a space of many, many years, uh, reassuring people that South Africa was a good, solid country. In fact, he expressed it um, on one particular occasion to my late father, telling him that um, the reasons, or one of the reasons certainly, why this country had um, this special or merited this special blessing from above and of course the Rebbe using his insight to look into things spiritual that the country being a blessed place is a place in which charity was always given and I'm talking about Jewish charity South Africa around the world is still renowned for the inordinate amount of charity that is given and always was given from this country not only to a yeshivot and to institutions and to Israel and to uh, local causes that are so uh, needed and so important in all of our lives. But the concept of tzedakah is something that actually protects us. Tzedakah, charity, and the Rebbe mentioned that to my father. The idea of how this country is blessed. And if we think about that message, that the fact that we give charity, we sometimes think, well, it's only affecting the poor person who's receiving the money and me who is giving it. Or vice versa. And um, we don't often think about the fact that the act of giving, the idea of giving, actually affects not only everybody around us, but the entire country benefits to the extent that the Rebbe could give a bracha and say that this is a country that will be good, that Judaism will flourish here, and that um, it will be good, as the Rebbe often repeated, until Mashiach comes, and thereafter it will be even better. And we think about the impact of what the Rebbe said and how it influenced people not only to stay here and to invest here and to be here. And the growth of the community thereafter was something that was something phenomenal and probably the envy of many, many communities around the world. But the Rebbe gave all sorts of um, guarantees that only the Rebbe could have given, um, such as that the wars in Israel would be over very quickly when it came, for instance, to the Six-Day War, that um, it was needed, it was necessary to start campaigns, which he did, um, to put tefillin on uh, people in the streets um, at the time of the Six-Day War and to make sure that at uh, the time of the Lebanon War that people had pidyon habens, which they hadn't had up until then, perhaps, to see to it that girls lit Shabbat candles to bring extra light into the world, to do all of these things. This was the incredible, incredible influence of the Rebbe in a much more spiritual fashion, perhaps. But the Rebbe influenced people and continues to influence people today in the most incredible fashion as well, with Chabad houses all over the world, you know, um, whether people are Chabad adherents or sympathizers or uh, simple uh, simply people who need a place, 
um, when you're traveling overseas, whether it's for kosher food or a minion and so on. Um, there is only one place that the majority of people have uh, to look at today, and that is Chabad and Chabad websites around the world because there is a network of shuls, of communities, of Chabad houses, of institutions in the most far-flung places, no matter where you go, no matter where you may be, no matter whether it is Europe or South America, whether it's Australia, South Africa, or um, all over Africa today, there are Chabad shluchim and shluchos, there are Chabad rabbis and rabbitsons. Uh, people who have dedicated their entire lives to making sure that there is Judaism in those places, to making sure that there is holiness, to making sure that there's a sense of spirituality, and to making sure that the needs of Jewish people traveling and going and coming from all over the world are actually met in each one of these places in the most magnificent fashion. And so each and every one of us, I think, whether here, whether in Israel, whether anywhere else in the world, has been and continues to be influenced by the great and, and incredible input of the Rebbe over those many years. And then there's more than that. If we think about the turnaround in our community, um, not only here, but perhaps all over the world, if we want to take a look at the world post-Holocaust, um, in fact, there are probably many who should have and would have said that um, Judaism is finished. That um, whatever Hitler, Yamach Shmoy, and the Nazis did not complete, that they did not um, terminate the entire Jewish people, um, would actually happen now as a simple process um, of uh, the downward spiral because there has to be despondency and there has to be disappointment and there has to be anger and there has to be all of those things that would actually see to the demise of the Jewish people, God forbid. But no, came along the Lubavitcher Rebbe in the early 1950s and started a program of rejuvenation, of making sure that uh, the strengths and bonds of uh, connection between us and God, between each other, between Jews all over the world, would be strengthened, would be uplifted. And he began a process that became known as the Balchuva movement, um, outreach. It was often scoffed at. It was often mocked. It was often looked at as being um, kind of too maverick for a community to even think about or contemplate. And yet, where would we be today were it not for that foresight, were it not for that incredible um, ability to see what others didn't see and to be able to rejuvenate the entire Jewish people all over the world on every continent, in every country, in every place, everywhere, to make sure that Jews and non-Jews alike had a future to look forward to and had a moral compass and had an ability to refer back to the Torah and to our mitzvot, not only as a guide and as a compass, as we said before, but actually as an inspiration, as well as something in which to take tremendous and great pride. Now, it could have been that after so many years at the helm, because the Rebbe became Rebbe in 1951 and continued all the way through until that fateful day 23 years ago, it could have been that at that moment, at that time, that um, we could have, we should have once again thought about counting us out, thinking about the fact that now the great powerhouse that the Rebbe was, the great respect that he carried within and without the Chabad community, the incredible, incredible insight, the incredible application and devotion and dedication to each and every individual, no matter who they were and where they came from, no matter what they were and whether they were Jew and non-Jew alike, 
um, that this was now silenced, that this was now gone. But in fact, nothing could be further from the truth because I'd like to suggest that on that fateful day of Gimel Tammuz, once again, the sun stood still. The sun stood still and the moon in the valley of Ayalon, all the luminaries stood still because what the Rebbe had started was going to be continued. What the Rebbe had started, what the Rebbe had instructed and what the Rebbe had done was going to continue from that Gimel Tammuz on and was going to become a source of great pride, of joy, of inspiration and direction for the entire Jewish community and all the Jewish people around the world. There have been, and it's been noted many times, the establishment of more Chabad institutions and Chabad houses since the passing of the Rebbe than there were before because young people knew and tapped into the inspiration that the Rebbe had given them during all of those years and that they'd grown up with and that they'd seen from their fathers, their grandfathers, and their teachers. And um, they took hold of it once again, recognizing, as the people had done in the time of Joshua, that God had wrought a tremendous miracle on our behalf. And who are we now to give up? How can we now stop that work? On the contrary, the great Rebbe was now handing over the reins to all of us, teaching us and showing us that we too could become the kind of inspiration, the kind of direction, the kind of leadership that the world so necessarily needed at that difficult, at that harsh time. And therefore, the battle had to continue. And the battle, while it was in the conquest of Israel in the time of Joshua, was a battle against assimilation, a battle against ignorance, a battle against um, a, a nonchalant, non-caring, um, disinterested attitude that somehow people can and do develop over a period of time. A battle against people and everybody all over the world not having the kind of spiritual input that uh, Judaism has to offer, that Torah and that mitzvot have to offer not only to those who adhere to it, but as we said before, to the environment within which it's practiced. And the Rebbe didn't want to deny the world of that. And the Rebbe wanted to make sure that on the day of Gimel Tammuz, I think, on the day on which his um, holy soul was returned uh, to the Almighty, and today we visit an ohel, a gravesite in the Montefiore Cemetery in New York, to which many people flock and many people go, as is good Jewish practice and good Jewish tradition to pray at the gravesites of uh, the righteous people, and particularly of someone as powerful, as important, and as incredibly dedicated to the Jewish people, and particularly in our generation, as the Lubavitcher Rebbe, um, while his soul ascended on high, um, we might have thought that all of that was um, kind of winding down, coming to an end. And on the contrary, because of the Rebbe's power and because of the Rebbe's teachings and because of everything that the Rebbe stood for, now it was handed over. The baton of uh, responsibility was handed over to each and every one of us, each and every one of the Rebbe's adherents, followers, and then some, everybody, who were able to take that baton, take up the cudgel on behalf of Judaism, and uh, to bring about a complete and dynamic change in everything that had to do with and still has to do with Yiddishkeit, with Judaism, um, both in South Africa as well as everywhere else in the world. And so somehow the sun stood still and the moon itself in Ayalon, just like in the days of Joshua, 
all those thousands of years ago in the conquest of Israel. The battle is still to be fought. There is still those that need conquering in a spiritual sense that we need to um, be able to bring about some kind of an understanding of a, a link, of a connection with Torah, with Judaism, for those who are missing it, and to be able to change our world and make it a much, much better place. So, on Gimel Tammuz, which was yesterday, and of course on these days that follow, we too perhaps need to think about what it was that the Rebbe stood for, and we have to ask ourselves the question to what it is that we can do to continue the work of the Rebbe, whether it is just the performance of a small mitzvah. And the Rebbe actually highlighted several mitzvot that he called uh, were known famously as his uh, Miftzaim, Miftza campaigns, the special campaigns for uh, mitzvot such as that men and boys over the age of Bar Mitzvah should put on tefillin every day except for Shabbat and Yom Tov, that girls should light Shabbat candles. And if they're under uh, the uh, under the age of marriage, under the time of marriage, they should light one candle, and women, once they are married, should light two. And that should be done every Friday night, every Shabbat, and every Yom Tov as well. And when we think about tzedakah, we should give charity on a regular basis, not only um, in our shuls and not only we go, when, we, when we go there to pray in the mornings or the afternoons or when poor people come to ask for it, but we should make a habit of it, even in our kitchens, that we should have an affixed charity box to remember all those who don't have food at the time that we are catering for ourselves, that we need to have Jewish books in our home. Yeah, today become a little bit more rare that people have Jewish books because you have everything on a, on, a, on, a, on a cell phone or on a computer. But yes, Jewish books are the mainstay of a Jewish home, that we have Jewish education, that we learn Torah, that we spend time studying the depths and the wisdom of our sages and the depths and the wisdom of our Torah itself, that we take a look at um, our other mitzvot, our relationship mitzvot. We think about Tarat HaMishpacha, the obligation of um, visiting the mikveh and making sure that that plays an important role in our marriages, of making sure that we have Ahavat Yisrael, that we love each other just like we love ourselves, and if not more so, and that we care for other people in a sincere fashion, including taking care of their spiritual needs, that we see to it that we do something on a daily basis to bring Mashiach, to make sure that Mashiach can come and that um, we are not going to be left in this diaspora for uh, any longer but that, in fact, we're going to be redeemed from there. These, amongst others, were some of the things that the Rebbe stood for and that the Rebbe pushed um, during his lifetime and certainly need that extra little bit of push from us today in the days following Gimel Tammuz this year as in the days following Gimel Tammuz 23 years ago. So if we take a look back at this very, very important date, the day of Gimel Tammuz when the sun stood still, and we think about um, those small things, perhaps this is a way to remember that in the conquest of Israel, in Israel's battles with the outside world, these are our strongest weapons. These are the things that we can use. And for us too, please God, the sun will stand still and we'll be able to complete that battle that the Rebbe started and that the Rebbe helped us to fight um, in a spiritual sense along the way. But then, of course, the sun and the moon play an important role in, um, in the idea 
of um, the philosophies of the world as well. If we think about the sun and the moon, perhaps I'm correct in saying that the sun very much represents the beliefs and the systems of the outside world. The fact that the sun is the calendar by which the other world functions and the moon is really a symbol of our spiritual calendar. Perhaps we'll have something more to add right after this break. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Okay, so we're continuing with our uh, discussion about the Rebbe, about Gimel Tammuz. Uh, we do have a question that came in on WhatsApp. Is, uh, why did the Rebbe or the Chabad leadership not appoint a successor to lead the movement? Um, I think that uh, perhaps the best answer that I can give you, and there may be others who want to offer their own, but the best answer that I can give you is that the Rebbe believed intrinsically in the fact that Mashiach was going to come. Um, the Rebbe didn't have any children of his own, and it had usually passed down um, in the leadership from one generation to the next in a line of succession within the family. Um, and here um, the Rebbe intrinsically and absolutely believed with every fiber of his being that the successor would be Mashiach, that Mashiach would take over the leadership. And being that... Um, the Rebbe believed that with um, absolute, absolute um, uh, emuna, emuna uh, shleima, with a complete and absolute belief, it would have been perhaps uh, not so believing to have said, well, I don't have any children, and therefore, just in case Mashiach doesn't come, I'm going to appoint somebody else. No, the Rebbe believed Mashiach was going to come, and um, therefore, the successor has to be, needs to be Mashiach. So if we just continue just with our thought of um, the sun standing still and the moon, perhaps as I suggested just before the break, the sun and the moon are representative of two different facets, two different aspects of philosophy, of different influences within the world and within our lives. The sun representing perhaps secularism, the moon representing spirituality. If we think about how these collided and how they come together, well, Torah, Hasidut, Hasidic philosophy really, really expounds upon the fact that we are to take the physical and turn it into spiritual. It is our job to find the, the spiritual within everything physical, to make this world not only a better place in a really global kind of a sense, but to make it a better place with each and every facet, each and every crumb, and each and every grain of sand that we come into contact with, to elevate it, to make it Spiritual, this is our job to take the physical and turn it around. If we think about the power of the moon over the sun, we often expound upon the fact that this is symbolic of the idea of Torah, of mitzvot, gaining control, gaining a hold, being a little bit more dominant than um, the sun and all that it represents. And perhaps here too, if we think about the idea of the sun standing still, it was also something that um, the Rebbe really, really stood for and wanted and pushed for and is therefore very appropriate for that statement to have been on the day of his Yorzeit on Gimel Tammuz as well. And that is that um, the Rebbe, while he himself was highly educated in science, in technology, um, and in fact had a job in um, electronics um, based on uh, shipbuilding um, that he actually worked at when he first came to America in the early years, 
um, it is quite amazing to think about the Rebbe's um, physical education, science education uh, that the Rebbe actually had. But to be able to take that, the stuff represented by the sun, so to speak, and to turn it around and to understand that our moon, our spirituality, our Torah, our Yiddishkeit actually dominates it. This was something that the Rebbe not only expounded upon, but he wanted more than anything else um, for us to be able to understand. That first port of call for a Jew has to be Torah. That first port of call for a Jew has to be our mitzvot. That first port of call for a Jew has to be our Yiddishkeit, our spirituality. That instead of it being the other way around, that we first ask what the world thinks or says and then will react or behave or come up with an answer that is Jewish, why not rather look at it the other way around? That our first thought, that our stroke of wisdom, that our initial reaction should always be something that is Torah-based, that we think like Jews, that we think in a Jewish spiritual godly fashion, that we've got a moral compass before we've got an immoral one, that we've got an ethic before we've got a lack thereof, that we've got a mitzvah guidance before we have got the guidance from the world out there. Perhaps this is truly what the Rebbe was looking forward to and the Rebbe was hoping that we would be able to do. So as we move from this Gimel Tammuz and we go forward into the days and the months and the years and the years that follow, um, hopefully we too will be able to have learnt a tremendous amount from the life and the teachings of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Um, I unfortunately am going to be um, stopping a little bit early today as I have informed Craig that I need to be out of here rather hastily um, in the next few minutes. Craig is going to keep you entertained with um, some musical interludes um, from um, right now up until uh, the end of uh, my allotted time. I do apologize for cutting it short. I hope we've been able to learn something together today and understand the very power of what Gimel Tammuz and the Sun Standing Still is really, really all about. I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead. I look forward to being back with you in... um, the next week, in other words, next week, Wednesday, please God, when we'll be able to have a fuller session and a discussion about a brand new topic, um, which we're going to be talking about again next week. Take care. See you again next week.